Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. Anyway, the reason I'm here is to help you so that my death will not be in vain. That my life's work will help save some other poor soul from getting mutilated. If this killer does come back, and he's for real, there are a few things that you gotta remember. Is this simply another sequel? Well, if it is, same rules apply. But here's the critical thing. If you find yourself dealing with an unexpected backstory and a preponderance of exposition, then the sequel rules do not apply because you are not dealing with a sequel. You are dealing with the concluding chapter of a trilogy. trilogy. That's right. It's a rarity in the horror field, but it does exist. And it is a force to be reckoned with because true trilogies are all about going back to the beginning and discovering something that wasn't true from the get-go. Godfather, Jedi, all revealed something that we thought was true that wasn't true. So if it is a trilogy you are dealing with, here are some super trilogy rules. One, you got a killer who's gonna be superhuman. Stabbing him won't work, shooting him won't work. Basically, in the third one, you gotta cryogenically freeze his head, decapitate him, or blow him up. Number two, anyone, including the main character, can die. This means you, Sid, I'm sorry, it's the final chapter. It could be fucking Reservoir Dogs by the time this thing is through. Number three, the past will come back to bite you in the ass. Whatever you think you know about the past, forget it. The past is not at rest. Any sins you think were committed in the past are about to break out and destroy you. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John. And I'm Sammy. And I'm Joseph. And we have left the gazebo. Nicholas Sparks is under is back on the shelf for a while. And we have gone back to our other favorite um, franchise, Scream, which means uh, Karen and Mindy and Mark are back this week. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, and before we're... we leave the gazebo. Uh-huh. Can I just say, our friend Sandy found a home the other day, and I can't remember what street it was on. I've I've been looking for a house, and the home has a gazebo in the backyard, and I thought that was some kind of sign. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I'm just saying, if there were ever a home that was built for me, it's one with a gazebo in the backyard. So anyway, moving on from the gazebo. <laughs> I like the idea of a gazebo in the backyard, Sammy. Just so you know, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Mark. I think it's cute. I love it. Go out and have coffee out there or whatever. Chat with friends. Have some wine. Big the most. <laughs> Look, you, you know this is going to end up with John writing a screenplay called The Gazebo Murders, filmed in her oh, backyard. Geez. You're encouraging this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> To be fair, there's not much encouragement needed. That's true. <laughs> well, we, we need her to buy the house with the gazebo, so <laughs> get on that. All right. So, yeah, this week we are not returning to Woods, though. We're going Hollywood with uh, Scream 3, the <laughs> originally final film 
in this now five-part trilogy. So why don't we... Uh... That sounds like my kind of math. <laughs> trilogy. Well, I see, I, uh, I, I kind of stole that because whenever I got into Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, when I was y- younger, it would be like part uh, five of the tril- you know, trilogy. So I'm, I'm really just ripping off Douglas Adams, uh, someone much smarter and funnier than me. <laughs> so the long key time of the soul. Yes. I need to actually read those, but the non-hitchhiker ones. Anyway, <laughs> let's play the uh, trailer for Scream 3, and then we'll get into whatever we're about to do to this movie. <laughs> California Women's Crisis Counseling. My name is Laura. How can I help oh, you? Laura, I do have a crisis. I've killed someone, Laura. Listening to me? Huh? Who is this? Just one question. Do you think it's over, Sydney? Do you? Whoever it is is now taking credit for Marine Prescott's murder. But we know who killed Marine Prescott. Billy Lewis and Stu Marker. I mean, they even told Sydney how they did it. Maybe there is a third killer. Guys, this was about cotton. We are not in any danger. We are not in any danger, says Candy, page 15. fuck is this? Somebody who killed to know where Sidney Prescott is. What do you know about trilogies? All I know about movie films is that one, all bets are off. Do you want to have this conversation with a polygraph? Is that a threat, detective? It's a threat. You'll know it. Was that a threat? Here's how I see it. I've got no house, no bodyguard, no movie, and I'm being stalked. Because someone wants to kill me? No, because someone wants to kill you. So now, starting now, I go where you go. That way, if someone wants to kill me, I'll be with you. And since they really want to kill you, they won't kill me. They'll kill you. Make sense? None. You are dealing with the concluding chapter of a trilogy. One, you got a killer who's going to be superhuman. Number two, anyone including the main character can die. This means you sit... Gail, Dewey, whoever, um, call me back. I can only hear myself. I only hear you too, Sydney. I am not dreaming. I am not crazy. He was there in Woodsboro. That's not Woodsboro, Sydney. Looks like Stab 3 is back in production. You gotta be praying this movie keeps going. Scream 3, starring Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox Arquette, David Arquette, Patrick Dempsey, Scott Foley, Lance Hendrickson, Matt Kiesler, Jenny McCarthy, <laughs> Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, <laughs> Tion Richmond, Leah Schreiber, Patrick Warburton, several can- cameos that we'll get into later, written and written by Aaron Kruger and directed by Wes Craven. So, welcome to the one that almost nobody wanted to come back for. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking about the movie, not the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, you could be talking about both. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god. Yeah, but um, so <laughs> this movie kind of this movie came out two years uh, after, no, three years after the uh, 
second film, which the first two were pretty much back to back. And then there was this nice gap in which Williamson couldn't come back. His, his draft was uh, rejected. Wes didn't want to come back. And um, he basically had to blackmail the studio into letting him come back or, or, he basically had to let the studio give him something he wanted in order to get him back is what it meant. Uh, and he got Meryl leads... Streep. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> and we bet one of the leads was only available for 20 days. And the only ones excited to come back were the Arquettes because they were newlyweds. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one of the uh, rewatches of this movie, I was just like, how come never, no one came back from Scream 2? And then I was like, oh, wait, dummy, everyone died. <laughs> All the new people died. Am I the Except only the one that kind of... Am I the only one that kind of thinks it's funny that they were newlyweds? And I don't know, I just always thought him and Nev Campbell had a little bit more natural chemistry. Hmm. I don't know, that's yeah, just a personal opinion. Then again, they are divorced, so there is that. Yeah. <laughs> I just I I don't think he has natural chemistry with anyone. <laughs> Not even he's, himself. Yeah, he's he's kind of he's like literally the epitome of a twelve year old boy masquerade. He's he's big basically. He's he's Tom Hanks yes. from Big. That yes. is the only time that I think David Arquette has ever, has ever been to Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> Because one of those two has won an Oscar. <laughs> Not David Arquette. No. Poor David. Alright. Alright, so before we get into everything, if you ignored the uh, spoiler warning at the uh, beginning of the show, here's where we are. I'm going to run through the plot as quickly as I can, because there's a lot to talk about. I left a lot out, but we'll, we'll get to all of it. But if you haven't seen the film, pause now, go back and watch it, come back. Um, Unless you just don't care. Then keep listening. All right. Sydney Prescott is off the grid. Since, her Wins- since the Windsor College murders, Sydney left her hometown of Woodsboro and is living in seclusion, working for the LA C- Women's Crisis Center, uh, Center and enjoying an anonymous life. But her past comes calling back when Cotton Weary, host of 100% Cotton, <laughs> is murdered before his cameo in the production of Stab 3 returned to Woodsboro. The, t- the detectives investigating Cotton's murder reach out to tabloid journalist Gail Weathers, because of course they do, for, for help, and she snoops her way onto the stab set where she runs into ex-lover Dewey, who was hired as a technical consultant on the film and is dating actress Jennifer Jolie, the film version of Gail. Dewey is protecting Sydney as he knows where she is and refuses to involve her, but as the murders continue, uh, Gail and Dewey and Jennifer form a new Scooby gang to investigate the clues left behind before by Ghostface, which are pictures of Maureen Prescott during her days as an actress uh, called Rena Reynolds. The bodies continue to pile up, and ultimately Detective Kincaid, played by Patrick Dempsey, uh, uh, forces Dewey to bring in Sydney, but Sydney is already there, and after having visions of her mother and phone calls uh, from Ghostface. Inevitably, everyone finds their way to the birthday party of Stab director Roman at the home of sleazy producer John Milton, who once knew Sydney's mom. In the end, there's there's just one ghost face this time, and it turns out to be Roman, who is the estranged son of Maureen and Sydney's half brother, 
Uh, Roman reveals that he found Maureen and she pushed him away, only for him to reveal he gave future young killer Billy the push he needed to start his own reign of terror. Cindy seems to defeat Roman and share a connection as siblings while Roman dies, but like all these movies, Roman springs to life and Dewey this time gives Roman the fatal shot. Reunited, Dewey proposes to Gail, and along with Detective Kincaid, they relax and watch a movie together as Sydney feels safe enough to leave the door and her life open for another sequel. Okay, so. uh, can we all agree that he is definitely Dr. McDreamy, right? That's, that's how we're referring to him? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to call him his character from Can't Buy Me Love? No. no. <laughs> or, or, or discuss the African anteater dance? <laughs> <laughs> No, he's, right, so, he's forever Dr. Dr. McDreamy. Yeah. But it's funny yeah, because whether I he know, wants to be or not. <laughs> he'd look so much better older when he finally got to Grey's Anatomy because I never thought much of him back during this time or even when he did Outbreak. And it's funny because he gets a certain point where I, I mean, it's not like I think like, wow, he's like super handsome. But it's just like he grew into that role and he got to the right age and, and it worked. So He just aged really yeah. well. He did. He yeah. did. Definitely. All right. So, usual question for the t- for everyone: When was the first time you saw Scream uh, Three? So, uh, why don't we start with Karen? Uh, it was the theater. I I theater. went opening opening weekend. Um, only saw this one once in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> that was enough. <laughs> yeah, I was I was okay with with, with one one time. Um, I I own it, but it was it was okay. <laughs> Uh, Mark, uh, it would have been opening weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, I was excited enough with the the movies that I would have been there, you know, along with uh, any other friends who were into the series as well. So yeah, it's just, it's funny because I walked away from it, uh, uh, you know, thinking like, oh god, there were parts of it that were super cringe, and that was the last time I saw it until yesterday. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mindy. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I saw it opening weekend, but I know I saw it in the theater. And I think, like, Mark did not watch it again until recently. <laughs> uh, Joseph. I also saw it in theaters. I don't remember if it was opening weekend or not. Uh, that's way too long ago for me to remember. Uh, I know I watched it with somebody in my family, but I just remember sitting there going, um, I think I've checked out. <laughs> It was it was one of those like yeah I haven't seen it since theaters and I was just like oh this is gonna be weird to see this after so long Sammy so uh, this afternoon <laughs> there you go the first time I saw it this is the uh, this was the only film I had left because for whatever reason I started with four so this is that the is only one I had not weird. seen yet yeah it is I think it was on television one day and it happened to be at the beginning and I thought what the hell. <laughs> You know, I've done that before. So, And, um, yeah, I didn't see this one in theaters. I don't remember exactly when I saw it, but I know it was on video. I wanted to see it in theaters. The girl I asked to um, go see it um, couldn't go. So for whatever reason, I didn't see this or Final Destination in theaters because of her. And I'm scarred for life. <laughs> but um, I've watched this actually several times since then. But... Um, you know, I, I watched it like three times for the, for this episode, and but it was the first time in a long time since I've seen this one. 
I wanted to rewatch all three of them, and then I just realized that's eh, a little more effort than I really want to put in because I'm not going to lie, a couple of those viewings I may have checked out as well. <laughs> not to give away how we feel about the film. <laughs> I'm not good at hiding my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, the uh, the opening kill is usually you know what's supposed to what sucks us in, and uh, because uh, Leah Schreiber also had an incredibly busy schedule, his time was limited, so he was our he's our Drew Barrymore this time. Uh, <laughs> he's gone from uh, convicted killer to exonerated asshole to tabloid talk show host. Who's still an asshole? Like, Oh gosh! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Although I, there are many uh, things in the writing of this film, including character names and decisions that I don't like, but I have to appreciate the the terrible pun that is is his talk show name, one hundred percent cotton. <laughs> like, yes, like that's that. awesome. We need shirts with that. You know that, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they probably made shirts and put them in everyone's gift bags when they were like, thanks for yeah. doing the show. Thanks for doing the uh, movie. Here's your set swag. Yes. Uh, it, yep. it took me a little bit to realize that 100% Cotton was the name of his show when he said, are you a 100% Cotton fan? I was like, are you really asking if they're 100% a fan? <laughs> he would. It, yes. well, he probably would. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, okay. That's the name of the show. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah. So, how does everyone feel about the voice box in this movie where it can completely imitate people? Uh, I thought that was kind of clever. It was a nice twist compared to the other movies. Yeah. yeah. I agree. It was something different. It was a little bit it was a little bit of a change up. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a nice throw off whenever, you know, the you know what he thinks is a girl calling him uh flirting with him and but the second she starts calling him out for having a girlfriend you you just it was written with such a rhythm that mm-hmm. you know it's ghost face you know exactly mm-hmm. well yes. he mimicked like nev campbell or anything in the movie it was just like this is obviously not her it's somebody trying to throw mm-hmm. them off or throw them off the scent and just mm-hmm. tell them where to go i was like it was very obvious a little bit of Star Trek nerd trivia. The female caller mm-hmm. was Beth Toussaint, who yes. played Ishara Yar. Yes. Oh, wow. On the, on the episode Legacy, which was the 79th episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Thank you. That's awesome. what I was trying to remember where she was from. And every time I see yeah. her profile, it, I think of Linda Hamilton. Every yeah, time she I see looks her, a her, lot yeah. like Linda Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Which I enjoyed. But that's a different. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed the trivia that he wanted to show off his muscles, so he wore the tight shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Some viewers that. did not mind. Uh. <laughs> so, in the little bit of commentary, I did uh, stay awake for Wes Craven. Was just like, yeah, leave was had worked out a lot, and he was just. And he started wondering, is this stuntman going to be able to match him? It's like, wow, that's just... <laughs> it's like, is Liv really cotton? Is, yeah, is that just really his personality? So did we like the opening kill with the the stab games, as they're called? 
I thought it was like I thought it was a nice parallel to the first film by taking out somebody that you might not have anticipated, somebody who's kind of been there the whole time, um, and one of the few remaining characters from the original film. Um, yeah. Even though he's generally kind of a small part, I mean, his biggest part was in um, in the first film. No, his biggest part was the second film because I mean, he was the basically just film. like yeah, a, that's what it yeah. meant. Well, I mean, but if if you want to be technical, he he did sort of start things off by being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, I I like the opening kill pretty well. That's that when I first saw it in theaters, I remember it's like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. I like it. Yeah, then it went from there. Yeah, it, fe- it felt very sleek. It felt yeah. very mm-hmm. Hollywood horror. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we yeah. talked about with Scream Two with that opening murder. That that was jarring and and it it was disturbing and mm-hmm. left people feeling really uncomfortable. And this was just like, oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. And I originally yeah, thought they, that they were just going to frame him again. Mm. They definitely played down the gore in this movie. And I mean, if you read the trivia, it tells you why. But it was just, I think that's part of why I'm let down by this movie is because the first two movies are so breathtakingly violent. And then mm-hmm. this movie is just not. I mean, it's it's a totally yeah. fair thing to say that this is a live action Scooby movie. Yeah, um, that's a good, that's a good uh observation of it actually <laughs> yeah but i mean they 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 couldn't i mean the the studio executives didn't even want to do the movie because of columbine so yeah and then they Which wanted to fair. yeah they wanted to completely and then then when they were like okay well we'll green light it but we want you to completely divorce this movie from the first two and it's like well how do you how do you make a trilogy movie and not have the third movie have anything to do with the first two. And so I know Wes Craven fought uh, with the executives to, to get that permission, but you know, it came at the cost of, it had to be more slapstick. It had to be less violent. It had to, you know, have really bad comedy. It had to have Um, less gore. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, they, I mean, it was really it was a it was a castrated horror movie. Um, yeah, yeah. They they almost wanted it to be completely bloodless, and yeah. I mean, it almost is. I will say I appreciated that it didn't lose any of what like attracted me to the scream films in the first place, uh, apart from the violence, in the sense of you know how meta it is and how mm-hmm. self aware. Specifically, I loved the second kill. They were so in tune to what they were doing that she mentions how, or she complains how she's only in two scenes in the film because she dies in the second scene that she's in. And that's exactly what happens to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it, it completely follows that same sort of um, dynamic of the first film. And then even with the return of Randy, which is was always personally my favorite character because mm-hmm. he's kind of like the movie's conscience. Yeah. I mean, so I, I since, don't to knock Aaron Kruger. I know a lot of people give him shit for this. And I, well, I think that he did the best that he could. And, you know, he probably had a whole slew of limitations placed on him. So he's mm-hmm. he's thrown in the deep end of yeah. this already well-established uh, series. And he's probably intimidated as hell working with Wes Craven. Although if you're going to work with Wes Craven, Kruger is not the bad 
last name to have. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, he he does have talent. I love the skeleton key. It's I I adore the skeleton key. Um, really, I. I, you're the first person I, I've ever heard really defend that movie. I, I really enjoy The Skeleton Key. And I also, I really liked the American remake of The Ring. I think the original yeah, I was... forget he re- wrote that. Yeah. I, I, and, yeah, and that's like the best thing he's done in my I opinion. mean, he's also behind the Transformer movies, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Maybe he does deserve some of the shit he gets, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... I know he was working off of uh, an outline that Williamson had either completed or started, but Williamson did turn in a draft of this, but it was rejected. And he really couldn't go back and work on it because he was busy on the creek. And also he had another series in development. He got to write and direct Teaching Mrs. Tingle, which I still haven't seen. So, Oh, I just feel... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, but didn't wasn't his his draft? It's to me, it sounded like it was a knockoff of April Fool's Day. Yeah. Um. If I think it was his draft, because if it wasn't his, there was a draft done by somebody where um, it was supposed to be like everybody was the killer. Yeah, and nobody like, died. Um, nobody died. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Williamson's draft, and I was like. Eh. I'm kind of glad you didn't get to make that. That would have been yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. April Fool's Day got away with it, but nobody else can. Yeah. Like, you can yeah. never do that again. Yeah. I mean, I get yeah, that I you're trying to... to pay homage to horror movies, but no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. If they had done what I originally thought they were going to do with the ending of this film, I would have, absol- I would have absolutely written off this film. <laughs> Which was... <laughs> So, well, I, I mean, I guess we can go ahead and spoil it, but originally what I thought they were going to do, because there was some discussion about how it's sort of things come full circle from the first movie in a trilogy and all the rules go out the window. And I guess I just thought that they were trying so hard to recapture what they did in the first movie. They were going to go for that. We're going to make the killer so obvious that you don't think it's the killer. And mm-hmm. then it turns out to be, and I think that only works one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did in the first, so I, I had two thoughts about who the killer was. Originally, I thought it was either going to be Patrick Dempsey and they were going to go with that super obvious mm-hmm. route. And that, that would have had me completely, completely writing off the film. The other route I thought they were going to go is because her, when they started divulging that story of her mother being in Hollywood and her mother having, you know, slept with these men to get a role it seemed apparent that she probably had a sibling out there. And that was my second thought, but they didn't, they didn't do anything to allude to who the sibling was. Yeah. Um, so I appreciated the route they took. Well, I know they were whenever in this version, they were setting up for Kincaid to you. They wanted you to think he was in on it. Uh, and I didn't so much see that in this time. Uh, I kept seeing uh, the Angelina Tyler character. I hate saying <laughs> that name. Um, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> and then she is... Parker Posey playing Jennifer Jolie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like most of these character names were like put through a random name generator. <laughs> random Hollywood name generator. That's true. 
But um, it it made it to me. The film made it look like Emily Mortimer was the killer or one of the killers because she was in the bathroom and she had a ghost face mask and you know she was you know not with everyone else whenever a lot of the things were happening. So, and apparently there was a version of the script where she was Roman's girlfriend and she was the second killer, but. I kind of appreciated that um, they that they only went with one killer this time. Yeah. So since we mentioned the second kill, can we rip the bandaid off where I defend the thing I don't want to defend? <laughs> sure. Not defending Jenny McCarthy's acting. Oh Lord. I, I <laughs> I'm going to have to quit if that's the. I wrote. Everyone get their pitchforks ready. <laughs> I didn't think Jennifer McCarthy was that bad in this role because I thought she played a vapid actress very well. Yes. Oh, she was an actress. You mean she played herself? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> the range. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Her death but, is she was, she was perfect for the part, though. Yeah. And she's improved so much. Her death one that I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. And also, I didn't mind her character name of Sarah Darling. I mean, it does sound like she was in, like, I don't know, 70s porno, but I mean, it was a less <laughs> dumb name than some of the others. I do wish we had gotten to see her full death on screen, though. Yeah. That's one where taking the easy way out because of the studio really suffered. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, her career is really taken off, right? You know what she does now? Yep. <laughs> She has she has a podcast where she talks about because she's married to Marky Mark's brother, Donnie Wahlberg. That's yes, where she talks in great detail about their sex life. She's a judge on um, the Mass Singer. Ew! <laughs> Just all of it. Five. Ew! <laughs> I mean, well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't want to defend the anti-vax weirdo on in the movie, but I didn't hate her, and I enjoyed. I didn't mean I enjoyed her death, um, but I no, you can enjoyed say that. everything. <laughs> yes, so, I mean, that's okay. I, we support you, John. Yes. <laughs> but I, but I thought it was fine for you know what she's capable of. Like I think this is to to steal to steal from Bill Simmons. This is Apex Mountain. For Jenny McCarthy. Ow. Yeah. So. <laughs> and weirdly enough, Emily Mortimer, I didn't think was very good in this movie, and I normally she, think she's oh. actually a good actress. <laughs> she yeah, was wallpaper. She, I, yeah. I I couldn't stand her in this film. I was like, why? What is going on? I had forgotten so much about this film, to be honest. It really like I didn't even remember who the killer was. So there's that. And I was like, oh, oh, I was like, I forgot this person was even in this. <laughs> like, I think a lot of it was the material she was given. Yeah, Th that is possible. But I mean, I, I have seen her in so many other things and she's always been great. And then this, it was just like, what happened? I mean, I know you don't want to be there, but pretend. I mean, but she, she has one of my favorite lines from the movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be my favorite. It's not going to be what I would say my favorite line was. But when she was like, I did not fuck that pig, Milton. <laughs> 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 Just a diet. It was like a great celebrity. Like, you too. 
That was really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I love whenever she yells that and uh, Parker and Gail just look at each other like, what just happened? And then how they just decide, eh, and go off to find Dewey. They don't even give a shit about her. I just, yeah. I, and I just have to say, I mean, Parker Posey is always great in whatever she's in. She and Courtney Cox, their, their dueling on screen was <laughs> one of the best things about this movie. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah. they, they played off each other so freaking well. I, I was so, I, I knew Parker Posey died in this movie. I couldn't remember how until, the re, until I watched it again. But I was just like, I really wish that of everyone in this movie, if someone could have come back from this movie for part four, it would have been yeah. her. No, definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But I love I love Courtney Cox's scream, though, after the kill. That's like one of the best moments of the film. To be yeah. Honest. I love the reaction. That's a great moment. Yeah. That's that's to me is pure scream right there. And yeah. that's why I enjoy it. Yeah. And I mean, I just, it, you know, it, the, the movie is maligned. I get it. It's got so many issues with it. But those two, they they really make the movie. Yeah. yeah. Enjoyable. Yeah. Not just tolerable, but enjoyable. When they're on screen, <laughs> you know some crazy shit is about to happen. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think that's a big part of why people kind of like, they'll still come back for those films. Because sort of the... I, I, here's my question. What do y'all think happens if Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette don't come back? What what happens to the film? Because I sort of feel like they're the glue that holds this whole series together. It, it doesn't work as well without them. And I know Scream 4, I didn't think that was bad, but I mean, they, they still had something to do with it. I think that this is one of, I mean, this is honestly one of the only horror movie series that I can think of that is not based and built upon the villain this whole yeah. series is built upon sydney prescott yeah and honestly without her it's not going to work i mean you could you could go on and keep making movies and call them scream it's you're going to lose the essence of the series when you lose her and yeah. i'm i'm honestly not expecting her to survive scream 5 or five cream. I'm not calling it five cream. God, please no. Because <laughs> now I've I think to... it probably makes mm. sense for her. That's the only way to kill off the series. Yeah. Well, and a good example of what happens when you do Scream without, without Sydney, without Gale, and without Dewey is Scream the series. It's what I watched the first season. It was fine, but it's not as good as. This, I mean, I'm gonna say it's not as it's not even as good as Scream Three and Four. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I, I, never, I don't I know if it, I would say it's that bad. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying Scream the series is bad. It's just it didn't have the magic that even the two the even the two maligned sequels are not have more going for them than I thought the TV series did. That, that that's just me. I honestly, I I love the uniqueness of the series that it is built on the heroine as opposed to the villain. I think that is, 
it's brilliant and it's it's new and it's exciting but i also think that it has a shelf life mm-hmm. and i th- i think we've we've gone back to that shelf a couple times too many mm-hmm. <laughs> sydney Sid, sydney's going to break <laughs> she's yeah. going to end up becoming the mm-hmm. villain mm-hmm. I mean, which could be interesting and i think i think the only thing i agree with you the only film i could think of that's comparable is honestly halloween uh-huh. which halloween is just an equal parts it's i think it, that's 50 50 built on michael and um Lori. yes yeah i absolutely agree i mean that is that is the closest i could come when i was trying to come up with is there another horror movie series that focuses on the protagonist as opposed to the antagonist and i mean in all honesty if you look at the halloween series the ones that don't have Lori don't work all right. that well <laughs> we what, one of those whatever for season of the witch <laughs> <laughs> insert insert that song from halloween three right now john <laughs> do, 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 do. i i still don't think halloween three is the worst of the halloween movies oh no no oh, that, it is not that, that, uh, <laughs> it there really isn't there is worse yes Oh, yes. oh God! <laughs> Who is it? Buster Rhymes in one of yes. them. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's Buster Rhymes. I, I'm King sorry, Carrie. That's the worst. It's oh, even God. worse than the Rob Zombie ones. Believe Although it, it does have the line "trick or treat, motherfucker," which yeah, I you know what? films yeah. for that to happen. But if you think about it, though, I'm trying to remember because I, I it, you think about the movies that came out after Scream. Even the posters and like the Halloween stuff, trying to make it look like the screen posters, you know, mm-hmm. where you have your your all these major characters, so to speak, or major actors of the time, showcased on the cover. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Scream Scream was honestly a game changer. I've been watching mm-hmm. horror since I was yeah. really really young, um, probably younger than I should have, and it's there's so much honor in the scream series for its predecessors but it also wasn't an, it it earned its place in the horror pantheon yeah. um you know it, it it gets it gets a little tired toward the end it's it's struggling to get over the finish line <laughs> sometimes yeah. but it still has earned its place so yeah well I, and it it was needed like it came at a time where it was absolutely needed and it oh, just yeah. revitalized the genre i just put yeah. it on a pedestal i cannot help like I like horror films, but they're not my favorite for a variety of reasons. I'm not a big fan of the jump scare. I don't, I, mm-hmm. I find it kind of cheap. And well, a lot of horror I, fans I, would agree with you on that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of horror films sacrifice plot and exposition and script and good acting for the sake of kind of cheap adrenaline rushes and scream is so smart and so clever mm-hmm. and so self it it can stand alone without any of the stuff that makes it a horror film and and be a good film and i think that's what i liked about it it's, it was revolutionary in that sense and it's not that scary it's just it makes it it, it sticks with yeah, you it's just mm-hmm. unique yeah yeah i mean and and i don't i'm i'm not going to even pretend that i'm not going to go see scream Five. I'm not calling it. You, 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 you have to. You have to go see it because we have it on the schedule for next year. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. But even even if even if it wasn't for that, I'm st- I'm still going to go see it. I have yeah. an allegiance to this series. 
Yeah. And, you know, however it ends for for Sydney and Dewey and Gail, I, I will be there. Assuming they die. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in all I mean, honesty, I kind of assumed that this was going to be the movie where Sydney died. Yeah. Um, because and, all bets were off. Yeah. The and I, the trilogy. I remember the scene where we all thought that she was dead. And I... It was weird because I remember sitting in the movie theater and having like this weird feeling of mourning and acceptance wash over me. And I was like, could you get a fucking grip? It's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I'm not even going to lie. That was kind of a letdown because you have Randy on screen telling you that all bets are off, that anything Mm -hmm. can happen. Anyone can die. And so Mm -hmm. you have that expectation. You're like, Mm -hmm. all right, we're going to see somebody serious die in this movie and you don't yeah but they totally foreshadow it that she's not going to because they do that whole pan to the um kevlar vest well so as soon as he shot her that was my thought i wasn't necessarily expecting her to die but like even dewey dewey has gotten the crap kicked out of him in every single movie so far And next to nothing happened to him in this movie. He's like the Joe Montana of screen movies, I swear. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I would be okay if Dewey didn't make it. I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm there with you. Being held together by scotch tape at this point, I swear. (laughs) Oh, I love Dewey because he's the the only character in the film that, apart apart from Sydney that I fully trust. And I guess Gail. So it's kind of a breath of fresh air whenever he's on screen because he's the only person Sydney can actually trust. Yeah. That's that is fair. I mean, I mean, it's not like she yeah. can trust Gail. <laughs> <laughs> she she certainly can't mean. trust anybody she dates. No. <laughs> a red flag. No. And, well, no her, her prep, uh, Jerry O'Connell from the last film, he, she, you know, yeah, she ultimately did realize she could trust him. I mean, he was after he died, but <laughs> but I did like I did like the the touch that she's still wearing his uh, letters. Yeah, yeah, that was I did like yeah. that. I just I yeah. I liked that. So I know I know Nev Campbell was only available for like 20, 20 days to to uh, film. Yeah, I, she was filming drone drowning Mona and Party Five. I think at the same time. Drowning Mode is one of my favorite of her films. I, I still haven't seen it. I need to. I know. I think it's so fucking weird. Isn't Bette Midler in that? Yes. Bette oh Midler, Danny DeVito, um, yeah. Nev Campbell, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, oh, it's it's a crazy cast, and it's yeah. such a freaking bizarre movie. Like, I was sitting there watching it the whole time going, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really like it. But, um, yeah, so she wasn't available for it for a lot. I actually think that helped enhance her part in the movie mm-hmm. because what we do get to see of her, you see that she's coming apart at the seams. She's mm-hmm. not, that's one of the things I love about this series is they don't try to gloss it over and, you know, make it a typical horror movie where it's like, oh, these, these, they're indestructible. They can go through anything and they'll come through at the other side and they'll be fine. And it's like, no, they're, they're not fine. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. the Dewey being held together by duct tape and prayers. Mm-hmm. You've got, <laughs> she's 
she's falling apart. She's living by herself. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows where she lives except for her dad and Dewey. She's she's behind gates and she's behind alarms and she's behind fake names and nobody sees her except for a golden retriever. Who's the cutest fucking yeah. part of this movie? Mm-hmm. But she's falling apart. And the, the, the bits of her that we do see like that, that dream sequence with Maureen, oh man, that's one of my favorite scenes from the trilogy. Okay, yeah. so yeah, full disclosure, it takes a lot for to freak me out. The first yeah. time I watched this movie, that scene, I I was unnerved watching yes. that scene. It was haunting as shit. It was so well done. And when you think about it, on another level, it's even more disturbing because this is how Sydney still sees her mom. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how she envisions her mom. And we get further into that later on in the film when she when she has bigger scenes and she's on the set of Stab, whatever, Stab 7 or whatever they're doing. But that, if you think, you know, that's how she sees her still. She sees her bloodied and, and just coming for her and telling her that she's poisoned and that, you know, she, you're, you're going to be just like me and what they've done to me, they'll do it to you. And it's like, that's, it's an incredibly haunting. I mean, she's not in the movie that much, but it's an incredibly haunting part mm-hmm. of what's ultimately a clownish movie, but it does have its moments. And yes, I, I will be the one who will be defending Scream 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but you hit the nail on the head. Moments. There are yeah. moments in this film yep. that are great. There, Even in the slapstick, like, like we've already said, uh, the Jennifer Jolie and Gail Weathers Scooby Gang shit. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious and great to watch. Uh, yeah. Nev probably giving you know as equally good a performance in the limited time we see her in this film as she did the last two films. Yeah, I mean they and, they really utilized her well in this movie. I I was mm-hmm. sad that she wasn't in more of it, but at the end, I think it worked out better. Yeah. Yeah. They made the most with what they had. Yeah. Or, you know, Sonny, more I, I than mean, most people can say in this movie. <laughs> I was going to say this might, might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, with her mom kind of being in that sheet, just to me, kind of reminds me of a callback of like Tina in the plastic bag. Also, yeah. something about that reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think about that until just right now, to be honest. Yeah. No, I think that that's. I mean, again, if you're that's, if you're looking for somebody who can give you that kind of creepiness, that's going to be Wes Craven. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was like he just stuck his head in Kruger's office and was just like, "Hey, wouldn't it be cool if we saw a character in a bag? See us." <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, Aww. worked before. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, the new characters, we we kind of have to talk about them. I think, um, oh. and we've. Yeah, you know, we we've mentioned Sarah Darling, but and Jennifer Jolie, but Angelina Tyler, Tyson Fox, oh, Tom God. Prince. <laughs> it's just like they're not even trying. I think they're kind of making fun of Hollywood, though. I yeah. mean, well, that was you. the whole point of this movie. It yeah. was a satire of Hollywood. I mean, they're like basically poking fun of the fact that you know these are not real names, mm. and it's you know what what can you believe? What is real? in Hollywood. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that from that perspective, it, it worked and it was, it, I mean, it was stupid and very clearly yeah. they were, yeah, they were bad names. Yeah. But I think I that, that think was, they were 
I didn't think they were going back to the first movie and making fun of horror movies as well. Oh, the whole Wes Carpenter thing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, because, you know, what's her name commenting that, you know, she's only going to be around for two scenes and then she dies in the second Mm -hmm. scene. Um, I'm, I don't have the names up on my computer. I probably should, but, um, uh, you've got, um, oh, your token black character talking about how he's gonna Tyson. He doesn't want to thank you, but you've got him talking about how he doesn't want to go alone because he, he knows he's going to die because he's the one Mm -hmm. token black character. You you just have stuff like that, the comments that they're making that are, like, absolutely true, that would happen in a typical, stereotypical horror movie. Yeah. Um, Tyson, uh, not Tyson, um, Tom Friends, the Dewey stand-in. I, I don't know this actor, and I th- if I've seen him in anything else, I couldn't tell you. He has one moment in this movie I really like, and that's whenever he's dressing down Gale <laughs> about the story <laughs> they they did on him about his uh, car wreck and how that was hard-hitting journalism. And you just kind of see her, Gail just kind of shrink a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was the only part about his character I really liked. Everything else, I was just like, uh, not really huge on he's, he's just there t- until he's the, you know, the next death whenever he blows up along with Parker Posey's house. That's the dumbest death in this movie. I'm sorry. It's really... I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that was pretty yeah. funny. I hated that death. I was like, really? We've gone complete Looney Tunes right now, haven't we? Yeah. I completely it forgot that, so that, that actor was in Waiting for Guffman. That's what I was trying to remember him from. I was like, I couldn't remember him from anywhere else, but that's what Who? it is. Okay. Oh, my God. Is he the young guy that Corky keeps trying to get into the uh, uh, Johnny show? Savage. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> right, I know. I just, I was like, oh, that's where I remember it from. <laughs> so I've seen him in two movies. <laughs> you think he and uh, Parker reminisced on set together about being in a better movie? <laughs> well, there's that, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh come on! Wait, waiting for Ghostman is better than for Ghostface. So there's that. Oh. <laughs> 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 Like the ice cream shirt that I bought yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, um, among the new characters, I have to say the two detectives are my favorite of our new heroes. Specifically, the detective that's not McDreamy, because he's just yeah. a smartass that <laughs> doesn't want to be there. He is so over everything that's going on in this movie. He just is like, I, I love this character. I love this character. I love the fact that he lived, so there's a chance that maybe he can come back in another film. (laughs) I mean, he won't, but still. No, but uh, he was probably one of my favorite new characters as well, just because he had some lines that I really liked. He's kind of a contrast to sort of the caricatures that everybody else is Mm -hmm. in his sort of realism. All right. To to give away my best line, he has my best line. the uh, uh, detective Wallace whenever uh, they ask uh, if there's any connection between That's the movie and Cotton's death and he's just like like he was on a movie called Stab he got stabbed but, yeah there was a connection because <laughs> yeah. that was yeah that they was... had him tied up in the closet but after that yeah. he kind of did oh yeah. well because he promises Roman final cut and he gets and it. he gets killed right that's <laughs> right he kills him he does get a final yeah. cut 
Mm-hmm. And then but you they... gotta remember whenever the Scooby gang comes to confront him about Rena Reynolds, um, he tells Roman to go, you know, tell everyone to not cut the cake until he gets there. So you know Roman just waited, knocked him out and shoved him in the closet and no one else gave a shit enough of about Milton to wonder where That's he was. That's the thing that kills me is like nobody thought it was weird that he wasn't around and they're just like traipsing around his entire house. <laughs> yeah. I I thought that that was their way of trying to make it look like oh it must it must be him because mm-hmm. it's his house and he's missing and I was like eh. And then they went the extra step of making it seem like Roman was dead, which I think was really smart. Fake Gale. Fake Gale. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, given all that they've seen, I don't think that she had any reason to question whether or not he was dead at that particular moment. There is a Billy Loomis-shaped reason that she should have questioned it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, girl, you should know better than to not, like, stake that bitch through the heart. <laughs> you guys, I know you're dead, there. But... While we're on the subject, okay, so I know they did the whole reference with Randy's video of how the killer in the third film is going to be like superhuman. Mm-hmm. So they had to, of course, have him come back to life, which I do think is the dumbest thing that they did. Mm-hmm. But then Dewey and his incompetence just shoots a million more bullets than that gun realistically has. <laughs> Finally, to the th- point where they have to go. Dewey, shoot him in the head. Like, that would not be the first thing that you would think of. And then he has good enough aim to do one kill shot to the head. Why didn't he do that in the first place? To be fair, I would be that way, you know? That's just... I'd be that way. <laughs> so how do we feel about Randy's return? <laughs> With the rules of the trilogy? <laughs> Delivered they to us by Wiener pointless. Dog. <laughs> yeah. I when I think about this movie, I always think about that scene. And I I, I couldn't stand it then. I, I hate it even more now. Yeah. <laughs> because so bad. It, it's 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 random. Like we could have just had somebody deliver the tape and say, Hey, I you know, a fellow geek, I was told to deliver this to you at one point or whatever, or whatever, some well, other thing. But then we I get didn't... her. And then it's like, and it goes like, oh my god! And he goes, I didn't know he had a sister. And he goes, can't you tell? And I'm like, oh my god, really? <laughs> no, yeah. I just love that it was Wiener Dog who was his sister. That was yeah. just so great. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 she's great, but I just thought I was like, what is this? Why? It's like it's just so weird. It was, it was weird. So yeah. pointless. Oh, I, I didn't care for the delivery of how it got there. But I loved that they brought Randy in in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was he was one of my favorite characters. And this film, to me, one of the great things about all these screen films, one of my favorite elements is having that character. And they had it in the fourth film, too. That person that knows about the films that walks you through the rules of the of the game. Mm-hmm. And but you had McDreamy do the same thing. Yeah. McDreamy did the same thing. So, he was a like, movie buff too. Right. I know, but they so, didn't even establish that till the film was basically almost over. But you so, I think they could have done it that thing. way, but and also the movie didn't follow any of the rules whatsoever. So the point is why was that scene included? I and I theory. love Randy. Randy is my favorite character from the Scream series. Like I adore Randy. But I I don't think that scene was needed. 
Mm-hmm. I have a theory that the only reason it was happened is that uh, Jamie showed him the script for Malibu's Most Wanted, and Wes was <laughs> like, oh, I've got to make sure you get your SAG insurance. Oh, here, we'll just throw you in there. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or he slept with the director. <laughs> yeah, Lance Harrington? That's that Lance sure gets around. <laughs> Random fact. Did you all know this about Lance Henriksen? Up until, I want to say it was like the early 90s or so, he was illiterate, did not know how to read. And then, really? yeah, wow. like, I have no idea how he managed to be such a great actor in all of the movies he was in. Wow. Um, but did like... not know how to read and then taught him, like, went out and learned how to read so that he could do better in his films huh to throw his own quote back at him not bad for a human (laughs) (laughs) so there's some cameos in this movie some some good let's start with one of the good ones roger corman yes yeah (laughs) yeah and so he's the head of the studio and milton's just the producer right yes in that scene, yeah, it was just nice seeing Roger Corman pop up, and and we were talking before the show. He's ninety four, still alive and still working. You know, king of the king of the B pictures, king of the independents, and you know, Jonathan Demi hired him a lot too because he's in Silence of the Lambs. But that was not the most interesting cameo. Um, <sighs> the one that took me off guard. It took me a second when she made that. Okay, when they go down to the archives, <laughs> and she made that reference to uh, Carrie Fisher having won the role over her because she slept with the director or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It took me a second to register that it was her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was because my initial thought was, man, I I wonder if she was at all insulted by that, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> that was all her. <laughs> if she was insulted by anything, she would have written a better joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's who Carrie Fisher was. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she was. She was by far my favorite. Uh, my favorite cameo in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine, mine's a toss up between uh, her and Corman. Mm. Yeah, <sighs> I think so... the one you guys are all going to complain about. I enjoyed. <laughs> mm. Because I have seen every movie there, and and I love those movies very much. <laughs> oh yes, yes. Okay. That's right. I, I'm I'm with I, you. <laughs> I, I'm somewhere in the middle because I have seen Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and I have I have opinions. <laughs> See, if you were gonna put them in the movie, it would have been cool if they would have died somehow at the hands of like those <laughs> or something. Because see, they, if they had perfect. died in the movie, I would yeah. have enjoyed their cameo. Exactly, it would have been like, dude, it's perfect. It's a perfect opportunity. It's like I wouldn't have expected any less, and for some reason, it's just a lost opportunity. But whatever, you know. Yeah. I did like that they called Gail Connie Chung. <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things that, that made the movie, that took some of the movie's credibility away for me because it mm-hmm. just seemed very yep. kitschy. I yeah. do agree that this sort of seemed like a film that they did for fan service as opposed to a film they really wanted to do. Well, to be fair, Kevin Smith at this point in his career only does films for fan service, so. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are thankful they got away from the Weinsteins. Yeah. 
it, does, it definitely gives this movie a, a much uh, darker hue that the Weinsteins produced something that hues so closely to what they were, mm-hmm. well, what he was doing in Hollywood. Mm, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, um, I think, that, I mean, it's easy to lump Bob Weinstein in as a villain. I don't think he's done anything sketchy that way. I just know that he's done a lot of hard things with Children of the Corn and Hellraiser sequels, but <laughs> I yeah I don't I don't know, but it 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 definitely gives us a much darker tone. Yeah. yeah, which I hate saying it, but this film needed a darker tone. It, it did. So, of the minor characters in this film, so, I mean, because we've kind of touched on the people that that were sort of new to the series. Of the ones that survived, who do y'all think is likely to return? Or do you at least expect the possibility that they might return for the fifth? Uh, having oh, read the cast list, none of them. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to say. I thought Heather Matarazzo was rumored to have a cameo in the fifth one. Oh, really? I thought so. Yeah. I, re- I remember hearing that, but I don't know if it was just like, we yeah. think this might be happening. Yeah. I just like, didn't know if Dr. McDreamy thinking? might be a possibility. No, if they were going to bring him back, he would have been in the fourth one. I say that having not seen the fourth one in a while and not sure if he was in it. Who? who? <laughs> McDreamy. Oh, no. The no. Detective Kincaid. Yeah. No, well, he's not I'm glad that they it. didn't make him a love interest. Because, you know, it's like we we don't need to have that, you know? Mm. Or every time that somebody yeah. comes in that might possibly be able to help Sydney doesn't have to be a love interest for her. So it was kind of yeah. nice to have yeah. that not happen. I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think been... that's the direction they were headed. They just decided to cut it short. Mm. Well, and also it had screen for not happened the way it did end. You could have like, you know, had, you know, Sydney, Detective Kincaid. Uh, fan fiction for years. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best possible fan fiction, but so something would, that could have existed. What would they have called them both? Syncade? <laughs> yes. You know what? That that kind of begs the question, actually. I sort of, after seeing him, the, him in this film, it made me think, has he really worked since Grey's Anatomy? And if not, how much power does Shonda Rhimes have? Because I think it's a lot. Like more yes. than we know that she has. Oh yeah, she I, has a lot. I think he's been in stuff. Well, let me look. Oh my I god, what's his last name? He was just on um, Grey's Anatomy again. Yes, yeah, that's they right. Bring him Wait, they let him back. On, they let him back on the show. How? Yeah. Um, from what I understood, there was like some weird COVID nineteen related storyline for. Dr. Gray, Meredith Gray, where she yeah. was in a coma and she yes. was seeing people from her past because they even brought Kyler Lee back in a oh weird way. Um, she couldn't come down to L.A. to film because of COVID restrictions and she stuck up in Vancouver for the shitty Supergirl show. Um, ooh, you might want to cut that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> so they... Filmed her on a green screen and then like stuck her in with the actual actors who were in LA. <laughs> it was weird. So they tignataroed her, basically. Yep. Okay. I'm just incredibly surprised because, from my understanding, the main reason that he 
not only left the show, but left the show in the way the way in which he did is because he cheated on his wife, who so just so happens to be Shonda Rhimes' best friend. Mm. Well, he was doing stuff. He was in Bridget Jones' Baby, which... Oh, I, God. Oh, that's right. And then he's been on a couple of TV shows, and then, yeah, came back to Grey's Anatomy. Well, he lives close by to us, apparently, so um, we could just pop over and ask him how he's doing. Oh. <laughs> Uh, allegedly where we live, uh, one of the cities close by, he apparently, I don't know if it's his main residence, but he has a residence here. So You're kidding. No, because he's been seen in our local Target. No. <laughs> Sammy's going to yes. hang out at Target now. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, is, is I'm not he... telling her which city he's in. <laughs> is we'll he... never see her again. Is he in that uh, Enchanted sequel? He'd have to be. It's filming right now. Disenchanted, directed by Adam Shankman, who made the movie we watched last week. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's done much since Grey's Anatomy. But at the same time, does he really have to? I mean, he's got Grey's Anatomy money that probably is not going to run out for a while. That's fair. Yeah, I don't think he's worried about money right at this point. Well, we'll know when he pops up in Scream 6. <laughs> oh. oh, please stop Six saying Scream 6. <laughs> you know what? Because the thing is, if they go that far, they've got to go to 10. It's like Fast and the Furious. At some point, they hit the point of no return where they, you can't just stop no. at Fast 9. You have to do Fast 10. Well, you know, and they're going to... I mean, it... Go ahead. It's just like every other horror movie. It's going to go to space eventually. Oh, <laughs> well, Fast, Fast Nine Sydney. already went to fucking space. Sydney Spoiler alert. Space. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, oh. I kind of want to see this free movie in space. Can't be, can't be any worse than any of the other ones that went to space. I mean, really, <laughs> have yeah. to be they called... need to kill it off at five. They would have to have the tagline in space. No one can hear you. Scream. Scream. (laughs) Oh, but think about it. With Halloween, technically, wasn't this most recent one Halloween 5? As the the actual series was supposed to go. No, in terms of continuity, it's Halloween 2, isn't it? Yeah, it's Halloween 2. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. So they still have three more of these. This new one, Halloween 3. (laughs) But isn't it titled like Halloween 6 or something like that? No, it's called Halloween. No. Oh. I stopped trying to figure out what they were calling it. Oh, yeah. I... I was like, oh, look, it's another Michael Myers movie. <laughs> Please stop. Please. That's not bad. Especially because they have Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. I. <laughs> look, it's either that or she goes back for that Activia money. So I'd rather see her. <laughs> I'd rather see her kick ass than hot yogurt. <laughs> What was, the, what was the somebody had made a a thing of like Michael Myers no longer scares the shit out of me so <laughs> I was like y'all are wrong I kind of hope though that they don't continue on there's just some series that should not continue on and I, I hope that they let it die because I love those films for a lot of reasons but there is nothing more terrifying than Pennywise. That's just the that's that's the bar for me, and I don't know if I can handle any more of those movies. 
I don't think they'll do more it. Not, I mean, they'd have to bring in Stephen King if they did. Yeah, because he'd have to write something new. Yeah, and that's always, uh, that always works. Um, (laughs) Well, actually, I'm surprised they haven't done more for the 13th based off the new remake. Yeah, but didn't it flop? Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it it wasn't as terrible as Nightmare on Elm Street's remake. But Thank God they didn't do another one of those. Oh, yeah. That was Granted, the well, first Friday the Thirteenth was terrible. No, I'm, no, you're just wrong. <laughs> yeah. I am not um, though. I I think four other people on this podcast would gonna disagree with you. <laughs> but the reason we don't have more Friday the Thirteenth is because uh, the writer of the original film is holding things up with a lawsuit. Good. Uh, uh, okay. So, so until that's resolved, a lot of things can't happen for better or worse. But there are fan films that are kind of continuing. Um, I, I bought one of them called Never Hike Alone. It's it's not bad. It, um, and they made a sequel, Never Hike Alone in the Snow or something. It was a winter set one. but uh, And that one brought back the uh, Tommy Jarvis from Sit. By the way, so. you totally reminded me. There's a Black Christmas fan film that's finally out that's supposed to be yeah. really, really good. That's what I've heard. I, I would suggest we do that for the show, but I think Sammy would stab me. What, the original Black Christmas? No, we've already No, that's that. not necessarily... About- no, that's not true, because remember, I told you, before we did that one, I watched the most recent version, I think, of it. I can't remember what year it came out. Maybe it was, like, 2019 or something. And yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah, and so I, I was anticipating better with the original, and yeah, I think that was one of the ones I did not survive. It was. It was very famously one of the ones you didn't like. <laughs> oh, Canadian horror, eh? <laughs> well, she, no, it's a film made in the seventies, and Sammy's not a big fan of those. Ah, uh, fair enough. So now that I've called my podcast co-host out, <laughs> uh, do we want to get into categories? Yeah. All right. Sammy, you want to take over? <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, uh, this kind of would be a good one for Creepy or Chromantic, but this is a horror film, so um, I think pretty much everything is just creepy. Um, <laughs> so we can move on to our next category, which is Best Line, Worst Line. So um, let's start with our guests. Um, do y'all have a best line from the film? I'm I'm gonna have to go with the one line that my wife and I still say to each other to this day. My lawyer liked that. <laughs> yeah, it's not even that great of a standout, but the way she says it is so over the top and so perfectly Parker Posey. Yeah. <laughs> it is very much Parker Posey. Yeah. Well, and the follow-up to that line was pretty good too. Of uh, not as much as I did. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, you got one? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, um I, I think it, it would have to be um I'm trying to think because was it if I'm gonna go one I liked, it's gonna be the oh it's hard being friends with you, Sydney, when you're friends with Sydney, you die. Just because you know, it just encapsulates yeah. everything we've seen up until this point. You know, it Aww. might just be whatever throwaway line, but I feel so bad for her. It's like Aww. I know. Uh, thing <laughs> they say that ah, sorry one of my headphones just fell out 
Um, they say that the killer called Sydney and Gail's like, what do you say? Oh, the usual small talk. What's new? How you been? How do you want to die? <laughs> <laughs> Great one. All right. Okay, we want so to move into worst lines. Karen, Mark, Mindy, do any of y'all have a worst line from the film? Uh, mine, mine, I'll go back to that that scene with uh, Randy's sister. <laughs> the, the, the can't you tell line. I'm just yeah. like, I, still, I hate that so much. <laughs> that was awkward. Yeah. That or the, the ham-fisted, holy shit, silent Bob. We get it. <laughs> yeah. we, we get it. Well, in defense of that terrible line, not everyone seeing Scream 3 knows who Jay and Silent Bob is, so they had to provide some context. Nor should they have to get out of the movie. <laughs> Die. Also, how fucked up is it that the killer in this movie wasn't a monkey? Stop. Oh, God. I really wanted that to happen. <laughs> Look, I'm still looking forward to Clerks 3, even though I know that Kevin's best days as a filmmaker may be behind him. <laughs> I think it's I want to be, it. I want to be proved wrong. I really want another Clerks 2. Right. I'm sorry, I'll I like Clerks 2. I'd watch it. I'd enjoy it. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd watch it for sure. You Look, never Mindy, know. I own Yoga. And what if it's a wait, what? Citizen Kane? Wait, you know? did you what? just say, wait, what did you just say you owned, John? Nothing. I what? Don't own did you say Yogi Bear? <laughs> no. Yoga, yoga hosers. Yeah, that's what I thought you were saying. You know what? Wait a minute. <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> In my defense, I got it for a dollar. <laughs> I don't own it. I only saw it on Netflix, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I own it out of that sense of completion, which is why I'm waiting to find a very, very dirt cheap copy of Silent Bob reboot. Um, I will admit, though, I haven't seen. Um, oh, what is it? The Walrus one. Tusk. Tusk. Oh yeah. Tusk. Yeah. Yeah. I am still not sure to this day if I love that movie or hate it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only. That and Gili are the only films of his I've never seen. <laughs> Wait, he didn't do Gili. Oh, uh, what's the one he did? Jersey Girl. Jersey Sorry. Girl. Jersey Girl. I actually Sorry. really like Jersey I Girl. I have standards. I'll defend them. Ouch! <laughs> oh man. Jeez. <laughs> what did I what did I start? Yeah. <laughs> oh. God bless her though, Melissa Benoist. She'll uh she'll she'll put in a, a an Oscar worthy performance no matter what you give her. That's um, true. <laughs> well, I don't know. I know she, she did reboot because she's Kevin friends with Kevin, but I, I still uh, I don't know if that was an Oscar worthy performance. She did her best with what she was given. Yeah, the the best part of reboot is the uh, the, the takedown of chasing Amy. Oh, there therein is where my my special loathing of Kevin Smith begins. Um, you you might feel slightly vindicated <laughs> with what he does because okay. he calls out the glaring issues. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or at least he, he, he calls out at least one of the glaring issues. <laughs> I'll just say I, that. Um, maybe I'll go look it up on YouTube. 
I can't find that scene on YouTube, so okay. if I ever do, I'll just put it in the group chat. Right. Sounds like a plan. All right. <laughs> so what were we talking about? Scream three. <laughs> worst lines. Worst lines. Is, uh, Sammy, do you have a worst line? <laughs> Yes, I do. I do think mine is when Gail walks on the set and she goes, "Jesus, uh, deja voodoo." Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just, oh, damn it, yeah. you took mine. Yeah, you took mine. Sorry, I mean it's just yeah, it's cheap. It's bad writing. Yeah, and it is one of those things that like um, one of the Scooby Gang would definitely say. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess since the you, know, you took my line. I think anything in the Randy video not <laughs> referencing the um, the actual rules of the trilogy. When like Randy's he's... yelling at his roommate, that's great. That is yeah. classic. <laughs> it's just the way he delivers some of those lines. Just like, I, uh, Joseph, right. do you have anything? Uh, I, oh, did I, we I, skip over Joseph? <laughs> No, well, it's okay. I'm used to being forgotten. That's all right. Uh, I was just playing. Well, not really, mm. but yeah. uh, I really hated the way he said he goes. I'm the director. I direct the the killer. I thought that was really stupid. Yeah, I, I thought it was just really ham fisted and just like, oh, okay. So that's I don't know. I just did. I hated that line. And anything in the house where before it blew up when they were reading the script for the movie, I thought that was really that was just awful. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, so our next category is um, our likes and dislikes. So what did y'all like about the film that we kind of haven't already covered? Mm. Oh, I'll go first if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say that I actually it, it's not even like I actually love this because I'm a romantic sap. But I actually really loved the way the movie ends with the proposal. I thought it was really mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. It's really well. It's actually to me one of the better parts of the film because it just it felt it didn't feel fake. It was yeah. really sweet. And I loved their chemistry in that moment. And I was like, I forgot all about this. I was like, this is just really cute. And so, I don't know. It's All it was favorite. missing was a gazebo. At least it had a balcony. Yes, totally, totally. Oh my God. It was totally missing a gazebo. I think she, Sydney's got room on the property. She could have one built. Right? Exactly. When, Kin, when Kincaid's arm is healed, they can put it together. There you go. Um, I've got one if I can go next. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about Patrick Warburton in this movie, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> the security guard. Uh, and apparently, and according to the commentary, if you uh, look at his and Scott Foley's um, sideburns, they change throughout the movie depending on the Did edit. You swap? <laughs> no, like at one point they get longer and shorter and longer. And sh- <laughs> like Wes. And this is on the commentary with his editor there. It's just like, Dan, you're going to call him out here? <laughs> but I, I love his l- absolute lack of respect for Dewey, and he keeps calling him Dewdrop. Dewdrop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Yes. So okay, I'm going to throw gonna... out a dislike. Okay. Basically, when Scott Foley is just whining about everything going wrong about the movie, the way he does it is so petulant that I just want to smack him stupid. <laughs> I, I was going to say everything Scott's Foley for my dislikes. 
All right. Oh, don't yeah. don't hurt don't harm the face. It's pretty to look at. He, thank you. Thank you. I totally agree, Sammy. If you're right there with you. <laughs> he is by far and away the most attractive killer we've had in the series thus totally. far. Oh, <laughs> no. That right no. no. Timothy Oliphant for the win. He would be later. As he grew older, to me, like, I think he looks better now than he ever has. Back oh, then, definitely. His, so his uh, character yeah. in Scandal. Yeah. I, I, I think he looks way better now. Like then, I didn't even think about him that way because I, 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 I couldn't stand him in the in, in the other film. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, Sam. <laughs> I feel sad because all I have to choose from is Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Not much of a choice. <laughs> I mean, I love Jackie, but no. <laughs> I don't know. I I appreciated that the they at least attempted to keep some of what made the first two films great with the self awareness and mm-hmm. and I, I think it lost some of that. The other thing I appreciated is, and they almost lost me. I really thought they were not going to go the direction they did. Is that I did not know who the killer was until the end. Yeah, yeah. I was thrown off. I was totally thrown off. I completely forgotten too. So. Yeah. I definitely I thought think, he was dead. Yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I, it felt like Roman being the killer kind of came out of nowhere. And on the rewatch, it was uh, slightly less random to me. Slightly. Slightly. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts, again, going back to how they really utilize Sydney's part well, is the whole let's go back to the beginning. Mm. And for me, it was seeing her on the sets of Stab and literally her going back to the beginning of the film. And you hear the the lines start to play from the first scream. And, you know, they're, they're lines that we know really well because we're fans of the series and, mm. and we love these movies. And so we're like, it's it's nostalgia. And then you start to realize that as you're listening to them and understanding that she's coming apart, you know, she's so damaged by what's been happening that it just felt like, you know, Wes Craven doing what he always did so well and just completely upending the audience. And here she, he's like upending us in our fandom and saying, you know, you, you quote these lines and you think they're funny, but listen to them now as she hears them. And then there's the moment where, you know, it, it didn't hit me until I'd watched the movie a few more times. We don't actually get to see the murder scene that starts all of this off until the third movie. And I know that it's a set and it's prepped for, and it's, of course it's going to be probably bloodier and, and more horrific, but this is the first time that we get to see even part of what Sydney saw as a teenager. You know, she walked into her parents' bedroom and she saw her mother murdered. And I just think it was, it just, it's little moments like that that just really grounded this movie for me and, and kept it from being the farcical joke that it could have very easily become. So I think that that's one of the moments that really stuck with me. I think, um, 
Does anybody else have a dislike? <laughs> no. Oh, and... um, <laughs> John, should we institute boogie night rules? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. Let's keep it under 10 minutes, guys. Because <laughs> I think I, I only have, like, I mean, they're, they're, it's one of the films where there's a lot of stuff that could be fixed, but you, I, I can't pinpoint exactly what thing, um, apart from, I do agree, I wish with the absence of Randy, they had just decided to place somebody else in that role mm. in a more efficient way than the detective. Um, the other thing is, I loved... I liked the proposal, the engagement, but one thing that was lacking for me is that none of that really felt earned because you don't see Gail and Dewey's relationship when they're ever actually in a relationship. You mostly mm. see it in their moments of, you know, they've had an extended period of time apart. They, they're reuniting. They go through this thing together and then they decide to get back together you miss all the good parts of it that make that engagement feel earned so it almost seems like it comes out of nowhere uh, it's just the formula because i mean but i agree with you i mean at least in scream 2 those two had moments together where you saw them sort yeah. of falling back in love with each yeah, other and yeah. it's this it's like well it's the end of the movie we're supposed to be a couple again <laughs> yeah i think it was just they needed to throw in a happy ending along with everything else that was going on that's all yeah. <laughs> but i think i think the happy ending was rightfully the the happy ending for sydney and the door yeah. opening and and you know her her seeing a, a new opening a new beginning for her life i think it yeah. just they threw that in because they were actually married in real life and yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah. paying tribute to the fact that they they met on the set and got married, and are they yeah. gonna pay tribute to I, their divorce? <laughs> they should. They really should. I mean, because why not? It's like it, this whole thing has been meta, right? It's like yeah. <laughs> they might as well. <laughs> I I still say the best tribute to uh, the Arquette marriage was in Friends. Whenever she added the Arquette to her last name, and so did the rest of the cast. <laughs> they did it for one oh, episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It was like the one with the, the one with the hyphenated last name. They should have just called it. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get that the uh very last shot of the film is symbolic of you know, Sydney is now not closing herself off from people, but still close the damn door. Yeah. <laughs> it is a horror movie. Not, it's like, well, no, it's more like, um, yeah, Ghostface might not come in, but bugs and snakes and shit might come in. You know. <laughs> she was metaphorically leaving the film open for, a, for another movie, which <laughs> yeah. is exactly what well, happened. Uh, well, well, that's it even was more reason to be close happy. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scream five in space. <laughs> oh my god! I'd Man, were it. you all on Twitter yesterday to see it blow up with like the the picture John sent us of like the image of the movie? Like Twitter went nuts with that pretty much yeah. all day yesterday. Yeah, I I didn't see it on Twitter. I didn't see the Twitter, so I, I saw it on Facebook whenever it came out. Do we know is that the official poster so far, or is that just fan art? Either way, it was great, in my opinion. I think it's just fan art based on, because yeah. most of what I saw was just a picture of the studio and, or a picture of some, I don't know, editors, I guess, for lack of a better word, um, mm -hmm. with a picture of the scream mask 
that said Scream, but it wasn't it wasn't the official movie looking poster kind of photo. It's a very clever, clever picture, though. I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. I love it. It's yeah. And, <sighs> you know, I think I've said this for three episodes. I am still looking forward to Scream 5 or Scream or whatever, you know, whatever we're supposed to call it. Because, you know, if anyone has not seen Ready or Not, the fact that it's those directors coming back to do this, it makes me hope that those guys are going to bring some new life into this franchise. And in their hands, if it's good, I would want it to continue, even if the Scooby gang doesn't continue after it. So, Ready or Not was so good. It was. Yeah, I love Ready or Not. But are we ready or not for the for the final verdict? <laughs> oh, <God. Nah. laughs> All right. That was nice. Yeah. Good segue. I'm getting better at these. Yeah. So Karen, Mark, Mindy, Sammy, Joseph, did you survive Scream Three? <laughs> Go with I Karen. Did. Yeah, I survived it. I mean, it it does have a lot that I wish it didn't but it also it has some really solid moments um so yeah it's it's not it's not the first of the screen movies I'd pop in for a an evening fun night but I would watch it again Mark um yeah I survived it just barely but that's only because I remembered to wear my bulletproof vest (laughs) (laughs) nice nice Mindy Yeah, I would say barely. Um, I got shot 16 times, but, you know, I jumped up for one last final scare. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Joseph? Yeah, I was kind of teetering on surviving, uh, barely surviving or not surviving. I I barely survived it. It's one of these movies I've just, I never liked it, even when I saw it in theaters, and I still have kind of the same feeling. Although, well, talking about it more there are parts i do like it's just not one of those i'm just gonna go back and watch again so i i barely survived like there's enough in here to make me go okay i like that part Mm -hmm. sammy um yeah i i definitely survived it considering the films i have not survived which i i think we established last week is like two or three um yeah. This is one of light which years. T-Rex in it. Yeah, this is light years <laughs> more watchable than Sleepaway Camp and Tammy and the T-Rex, which, to be honest, um, I'll Sleepaway give you Camp- Tammy and the T-Rex, but <laughs> I'm sorry, Sleepaway Camp made a pedophile jokes, and the pedophile was boiled alive. So <laughs> that's what we call justice. <laughs> Or frontier justice. Yeah, and while Sleepaway Camp is is what what most people would call a film, I'm not sure what Tammy and the T Rex was. Um, An experience. (laughs) An experience on cocaine. So I I would even go as far to say, I mean, I would watch this film again, no question. Is it the weakest of I think all four of the current screams? Yes. I would say out of all four of them, it's probably the weakest, but I still think it has its merits. And mm. I still I still enjoyed it. You know, going into this episode, I thought the love fest was going to die, and like at least someone was not going to survive this movie. And at first, I thought it was going to be me, because I, I have trashed this film online. I've made jokes before, but re-watching it again, I was taken aback at how much good there was in this film. Mm. And 
the good was good enough to mostly drown out the stupid. And there is a lot of this film that is stupid. But, yeah, I'm going to echo everyone saying they barely survived this movie. I mean, it's definitely the weakest so far. I, I don't know how Scream 4 holds up. I've only seen it the one time in theaters. I own it now. I just haven't brought myself to watch it again. Mostly because I've been waiting for our episode when we're going to do that. So, But, yeah, barely survived. But the horrors continue next week. Sammy, what are you making us watch? So next week, I think we've established that we're switching up the schedule a little bit, and we're going to do Someone Like You. Oh, that's a good movie. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm so, yes, I'm so glad. Uh, This is is one I came across at, like, probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night um, on Netflix and thought, Oh, well, I want to watch a cheesy romance. What the hell? And it actually ended up being a really good movie. So now John gets to watch it. And Joseph. <laughs> yes. yes, He's I not get free to watch from it. this. <laughs> Joseph, have you seen this one yet? No, no, I haven't. Oh, but good. We can, hey, everything we can, she's suggested so far, I've survived. So I, I'm, she's, she's batting 100 right now. So. And there's a Nicholas Sparks film in there, so... Exactly. So, Joseph, we're gonna have a conversation off air. <laughs> you know, we can have the conversation, but it doesn't change anything. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this this is a question for our guests. Does anyone have uh, anything they're working on they want to plug or give a shout out to? No. No. Um. Well, for me, you can find me on Friday nights at uh, Pink Milk After Dark with Emma and Brian. And now our friend Chase, who has joined us and where we talk Star Wars queerly. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Good stuff ahead, too. Well, uh, Karen and Mindy and Mark, thank you for coming back. And uh, as we continue this journey on to five cream, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> these are. We were doing so well. <laughs> you went ruined. Now I have to ruin it. <laughs> but no, I I love even in week the weaker entries in this franchise. Uh, Sammy and I were talking about how just kind of still even. You know, whenever the films aren't as good, this series is still watchable. So I still have fun watching these movies, and I definitely have fun wa- talking about them with you, even though I make uh, y'all cringe every time I make that same joke over and over. Yeah. <laughs> it's why we keep coming back. Yeah. <laughs> he might make it so many times that it's funny again. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Do you think they'll make this many screen movies so that they're scary again? well we'll see well in the hands of the ready or not guys if they're not scary they'll at least be actually funny there you go (laughs) well thank you guys for coming back for one more week and uh, listeners thank y'all for listening if you like what you've heard uh, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts um, tell a friend about us because uh, you know, you know, we'd like to increase that listenership. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter. Uh, follow Sammy, uh, who's uh, doing all the stuff on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube. Have we put anything uh, on YouTube recently? Or 
Is it still promising young woman? <laughs> I love how he, he calls me out and asks this question. Um, no, we don't have anything up there right now, but uh, we should hopefully have something new up there by the end of the week. Awesome. And, uh, and Sammy, Joseph, thank you for doing this with me. And until next time, bye, everyone. Surviving Chick Flicks is created and hosted by John Baggett and Samantha McDaniel. Our audio engineer and editor is Cody McLean. For an ad-free version of the show, please visit patreon.com slash survivingchickflicks, where $5 a month gets you an ad-free version of the show, as well as our manly movie of the month. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. All opinions are that of the hosts, and no copyright infringements are intended. Surviving Chick Flicks is a Circle of Jug production, all rights reserved. Oh shit, Sal, it's that TV news shit, Connie fucking Chong. Hey, Connie, how's Maury?